Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Ned. And I'm Declan. And this special episode, we're bringing you a celebration of Lyft. Uh, We'll be talking about all the films that we watched at Leeds International Film Festival 2023. We're going to discuss our overall feelings of the year, a bit about each film and where it will be released in the future, but... A little bit different to usual, we're not going to talk spoilers because we know the majority of people won't have had a chance to see any of these films well, yet. Well, some of them haven't even been released yet. That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. But Ned, how did you find this year's festival overall? I thought it was really fun, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Um, it was nice to be dotted about the city. Yeah, we... it was nice that Hyde Park was back to Hyde host. Park in full swing. Um is it Cottage Road? Yes, we got Heading to go Lane. up to there. Yeah. Lovely. Never been there before. Me neither. It's gorgeous. Really old fashion cinema. And the popcorn was only £1.70. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, what's well, wasn't it? <coughs> Excuse me. Couldn't resist. Um, yeah. Overall good fun. Yeah, I think for me it's like it wasn't... It's only really been on my radar for the last couple of years, few years, especially the last two since we've had the podcast. And I hope that we get to see more and more of the films each year as we get older and our social lives get quieter. Well, I mean, part of it was work as well. Well, I know, but um, yeah, I'm quite happy. I I saw more than you. um, Rub it in. (laughs) I am overall quite happy with the amount that I did see. Um, there are a few things which I'd seen all of us strangers. Um, yeah. I, I wish I'd had that. chance. I wish we'd been free that weekend to go see one of the other shorts. You know, like last year we did the Yorkshire short film. Oh, yeah. I'd like to have gone to one of the LGBT slash queer ones that they do with that. Yeah. But we were away that weekend. <sighs> so, but yeah, it's a great, it is a really good event and not a lot of cities outside of London have an international film festival and I do think the, cali- the UK. yeah and I do think the caliber of the films this year was quite high really good yeah um, so you know there's some films in there that I would probably have never and... seen there's some films in there that are going to be in the awards contenders that we've got to see like two or three months early from UK release did feel a bit cheeky actually yeah um, um, and it was really great that it was so like so popular and things were selling out. They were putting extra showings of stuff on, yeah, um, just to really try and make the most of it. And I think that's an excellent sign. So do I. Mm. So shall we get? We're going to go in order of when we saw the films. We saw 
Ned saw one on his own. We saw one together. And then I've got three films that I saw on my own that I want to talk about. So let's start right at the beginning. Should I just do the washing up while you're talking about that? <laughs> no. <laughs> With Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah, it was really good. Um, do you want to give a quick synopsis? Yeah, I'll go synopsis, for a quick, you know? quick synopsis um, that, unusually, you've written. I have. Mm. In the snowy French... I may or may not have stolen or cribbed some of these from, not from IMDb, from the LIF website. Right. Just okay. to credit them. Yeah. Can't be plagiarising. No. In the snowy French Alps, a man falls to his death from an upper story window. There are no apparent witnesses, but some evidence suggests foul play. Novelist Sandra, the man's wife, is the only suspect. Sandra defends herself and her life, personality, sexuality, even her art are put under increasing scrutiny. Yeah, and this one won the Palme d'Or at this year's Cannes Film Festival. Um, so is it a bit of a courtroom drama? Yeah, but it's really like it's a really cleverly done courtroom drama, I think, because it keeps you nice and out of the court for quite a while and then plunges you right in as if you've been like preparing for it um and what was really interesting actually it is set in grenoble yeah or geneva grenoble one of the two one of them in france is geneva even in france no but it's grenoble, grenoble then. yeah um and so you get like a little bit of a look at the difference in the legal system. Because I think most of the courtroom dramas we'll have seen are either UK or US. Yeah, because the French have a different well, the, way of, of doing law in the courts yeah, as well, don't the they? The kind of the pathway to justice is about establishing the facts rather than about proving guilt or innocence. Yeah, it's not like, it's not... Um, beyond reasonable doubt or something, is it? No. Like, is that ours? That's ours, isn't that, it? Yeah, I think that's ours. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's really, really cool, actually, to see all of that. Um, notably, most of the principal characters were women, including, like, the judge and mm. a few of the witnesses and things. Um, and then some of the men were quite obviously undermining the credibility of the women intentionally and it felt um like a, a good like choice by the director right which was cool um i don't really know what else to say without like going into spoilers like we normally do well you've given your thoughts i mean there's a bit touched on the um synopsis and it wouldn't it wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't discuss this but it it does talk about how Sandra, her sexuality is mm, how how does that yes. come in without spoiling it in a way? So Sandra is bisexual, mm-hmm. um, and I got that vibe from the very opening scene as well. So if you kind of look out for it, it's not a massive spoiler. Okay, um, a little bit kind of light flirtation with someone who turns out to be. A key witness. Oh, you you kind of you know yeah. that they're going to be your witness because when you work it out, it's not difficult to put two and two together. Yeah. Um, and it was really um, 
don't know what the word is not quite interesting maybe frustrating i think as a viewer which is a good thing in this case that the lawyers were trying to like use that as a reason to not trust her and i felt that that was quite greedy yeah quite an intriguing reflection of some people's attitudes about bisexuality because i think a lot of the time people don't really believe bisexuals are bisexual and then there's an assumption that they are either straight or gay depending on who they end up with yes you know what i mean Uh so that's quite a fun little feature to 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 pick out so cool it's got that in there star rating what did i give it think so lift they give you a little card Yes, to they do. tear across your star rating. So they use that to collate the results for yeah. the audience awards, yeah. which now, is quite a <clears throat> it's quite a simple way to do it. But it's I guess, quite nice though. Yeah. It feels nice to have like real paper rather than like voting online or whatever. Yeah, like something tangible. Yeah. Um. So I think when I came out of um the cinema, I gave it four. But then I was walking home from High Park Picture House, which, for those who don't know Leeds, is about a 45-minute walk for us. And... I thought you were going to be like, and for those that don't know where we live. <laughs> no, that would be silly. Yeah. Um, and I rang my close friend Frankie to discuss it and keep me company on the walk. And I think I talked myself up. To a four and a half? Yeah, let's go yeah. four and a half. That's the thing on the cards as well. Yeah. You can't really you do, can't do halves. halves. Which yeah. there were a couple of bits where I put, I put submitted my star rating there, but it yeah. might have been a, like half a star out on Letterboxd yeah. yeah. or, or what I discussed. So, so I went with that. I think four and a half is a, a good score for this. Um, yeah, and. Where to watch it? Still in some, some cinemas, is it? So, yeah, I was looking oh. at this. So, it, it, it was quite an odd one. So, when this was screened at Lyft, it had it was pretty much coming out in cinemas a couple of days later. All right. And it is still in, as when this episode goes out, which will be Friday the 24th yes. of November. Yeah. Um, Something interesting as well. It is still in some cinemas, sorry. It is still in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's set in France. The principal character is German. And a lot of the dialogue is English, but a lot of it is also French. So it's quite, um, it's very Central European place based, I think. Is, is that I would say that's it's Western, Western European. European. Yes. I was thinking like the middle between France, Switzerland and Germany mm-hmm. and all of those bits. Um <clears throat> So that's fun as well. Okay, well, let, let's move on to poor things. Poor things. Or poor, poor things. things. Um, now, this was Lyft's opening film, but due to the... We went to the third and final screening, which was actually a few nights into the festival. So we, you got to see Anatomy of the Fall first. Mm-hmm. Seeing as though this is going to be the last time you speak about a film, oh. or at least question before you question me. Okay. Um, would you like to do the synopsis for this one as well? Go on then. Okay, so... What on earth is that word? I've never seen that written down before. An obs- absurdist global odyssey celebrating female pleasure and liberation. 
This is the extraordinary tale of Bella Baxter, a woman brought back to life by eccentric scientist Dr. Godwin Baxter, with no knowledge of the world or societal norms. Bella's insatiable curiosity and voracious sexual appetite drives her to run away on a madcap adventure with playboy Duncan Wedderburn. So yeah, this is a Yorgos Lanthimos film. It follows his last film, which was The Favourite, which had loads of Oscar noms. I think Olivia Colman won the Oscar for it. I missed it. It And so so I saw it it this week. It's on Disney Plus. I've added it to my watch list and I will be watching it. I thought you were going to say you watched it. But yeah, um, this was, for me, absolutely fantastic. Um, I thought, in particular, there were so many good things about it. But in a review that I wrote, um, I called the screenplay scrumptious. Scrumptious? Well, it was just like, it was just so scrummy like i don't know how to just like it was like oh that was that was nice language even the way the right emma stone's character yeah who is the 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 main part and who has been brought back to life she obviously she's going through that journey of almost discovering language Mm. anyway but just the way she was written i just thought was like beautiful um and what's amazing, like just a fantastic feature of it, is that it's a period piece as well. Mm. But like it's a so surrealist like, period piece, like it's even so the like sets, steampunky. Yeah, the sets don't darling. look like our world. No, like the sky isn't real. But it, you know, the sky like looks like it's yeah. been not. It's on a stage. And... You know, it's set a couple of hundred years ago because of the way that they. Uh, that that society understands like surgery and anatomy and sex and sex yeah and it, i'll tell you this did have it does have quite a lot of sex in loads of sex yeah what do you um, call it furious jumping oh yeah you're gonna furious jump furiously jump on me or something <gasps> too many spoilers now no I but can't keep telling jokes but, but yes. that is so funny um, the production and costume design as well is totally just oh, stunning. It is um, so full of texture. Like, yeah, didn't you I just wanted, you wanted to touch the whole thing. Like, all of their clothes, all of the set was just so tactile. It was amazing. And then all of that was really, like, it was very soft and bouncy to look at. And then <laughs> the music was so full of, like, sharp notes. It was such a fun contrast for the senses. Yeah, the music was good. The yeah. score was good as well. Yeah, yeah really fantastic. Um, absolutely bizarre, entirely, all the way through. So if you aren't in the mood for a bizarre film, don't watch it, because I it, want you to enjoy is, it. It and is I want bizarre. You to, I want you to be in the mood to watch a bizarre film so that you can really, like, So a really bizarre film that we've watched this year was Alex Garland's Men. That was really bizarre. Now, I would call them both bizarre, but I didn't... I almost found this one started a lot more. What the hell is this to start with? Mm. And then as you settled into it, you kind of... It it didn't feel quite as bizarre to me. Well, that's what I mean. I think you have to be in the mood to be able to settle into that. If you put a film on because you just want to pass a couple of hours... Your first half hour, you'd be like, what the hell is this? You'd be like, what on earth have I just put on? Yeah. But if you're like... I want to watch some absolute masterpiece and I'm going to get into it. Put this on because it's just brilliant. Yeah. 
What is your thoughts on queer appeal then? Um, I think there is some because the way her character is brought back to life, she she lives in a head that doesn't have preconceived notions of anything. Yeah, she's not got that kind of sense of shame that most no. adults have. And doesn't she? Yeah. With a woman. Yeah. Oh, with a woman. I thought she did. Oh, she might have done. That yes. one with all the tattoos as yeah. well. Yeah. And wasn't the two gay characters? Not main characters. Yeah. There was. Yeah, there was. You're right. I do think the queers are like this film. I think this is definitely one to watch yeah. as, a, as a queer person. One to watch as a human person, but definitely <laughs> as a queer person. What was your style rating on this one? I would be shocked if I didn't give it a five. I can't actually remember that. I did a five yeah. as well. Um, yeah, all in all, like, this was a film that when I think Liff announced their programme and I saw that this was the opening one, I was mm. buzzing. And the, the Cottage Road cinema where we saw it was packed and everyone was just having a good time. Oh, so and lots fun. of laughs in this film as well. You yeah. will have a laugh, so... Um, talking yeah. about cinema releases, it's out in the UK on the 12th of January. And I'm um, absolutely going to watch it again. So am I. We'll be in Mexico then, but we might, we'll watch it when we get back. And try and see it in a, in a cinema. How do I word this? In a cinema where the indie films are busy. Yes. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So see it in an indie cinema. Preferably go to Hyde Park, Picture House, go to Cottage Road if you're in... Um, if you're in Leeds. Leeds. But yeah, even if you go to like, what's those cinemas that we listen to the podcast? Picture House. Picture House, like all those kind of ones. Yeah. Um, where I do think people go to those because they are the more into films. cinema than just kind of the blockbuster a couple yeah. of times a year yeah. kind of thing. All right, well, over to Ming now. Mm. La Palisada. Yeah, I think you've spelt it wrong on this note, but yeah, I think okay. that's what it's called. So the synopsis of this is after an enigmatic present-day prologue, the core of the film takes place in 1996 in a newly independent Ukraine and follows two old friends, a police detective and a forensic psychiatrist, as they investigate the murder of a colleague, Sotonchenko. I've butchered that. Masterfully utilises VHS aesthetics to create an evocative snapshot of 1990s post-Soviet Ukraine whilst boldly confronting legacies of trauma and violence. Read that. If, and the film achieves that, I would say. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, this one wasn't for me. Why? I found, I didn't find it interesting enough to me, whilst I don't know anything about post-Soviet Ukraine, really, I didn't think it was told in a way that I could get much from it. What was the, like, plot? That was the plot. They investigate a murder of a colleague. But even that was all lost. And I do think as well, like, I don't mind subtitles, but Ukrainian is like, you're reading every word of those subtitles. I think I said this to you when I came out the screen. Like, Western languages, you can kind of pick up a bit, even just the annotation and the flow. Like, I don't think your eyes are fully on the subtitles the Um, full time. Although Ukraine is Western, but I mean, 
Western European. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I don't know. I just, I just, I just didn't get along with it. Yeah. Um, what I do appreciate though is they have given the film festival gave, you know, a voice to um, a Ukrainian filmmaker, mm-hmm. um, especially with everything that's obviously going on there. Um, it just, I found it a bit boring. Um, I see. Which is a shame, but it might, I do think it's probably not necessarily down to the quality of the film. It was more, it wasn't for me. What genre would you place it in? God. Because uh, obviously crime, is it like horror crime or like no. thriller? Yeah. No. There was actually nice hints of like universality, like family. You know, like I always like films where it's like you get to see families in different far flung... No, not far flung, but places that you wouldn't normally see on screen. Yeah. Um, even if you go to like the Marvels with Kamala Khan with like a Pakistani family, like even that yeah. on a blockbuster scale, I always like. So I did yeah. like that and like the banter they had at the dinner table and stuff. Um, but yeah, not particularly for me. Fair enough. What um, do you give it? Now, I couldn't even be objective with this so you know like sometimes you're like the film isn't for me but i can appreciate it's a good film yeah i couldn't do that right so i actually went with two. Oh, okay um so well, i can't even no you can't can't even yeah and to be honest with you i do do just like to talk of it as part of this episode but i would be very very surprised if this got a uk kind of Especially like a wide release in the UK because it was right. incredibly niche. Um, so look out for it on something on some platform that you yeah. can buy it from, um, or right. maybe some indie film cinemas might do like a Ukrainian talent night and show it on that. Like yeah, but I think it'll be quite a difficult film to find. Well, um, did you get much of a vibe from the other members of the audience? I did hear a few people at the end say that wasn't very good, oh. so it wasn't. Just me. Um, oh, that's a shame. So, any queer appeal? Not that I remember. No. no. Well, yeah. On to the next one. On to the next one. The Which holdovers. Is the holdovers. So, if this one is set in the early 1970s. The holdovers follows a grumpy instructor played by Paul Giamatti, a New England prep school who is forced to remain on campus during. Christmas break to babysit a handful of students, the holdovers, um, with nowhere to go. Right. Eventually forms an unlikely bond with one of them, a damaged, brainy troublemaker who was played fantastically by a newcomer, Dominic Sessa, and with the school's head cook who has just lost her son in Vietnam, um, who was also fantastically played by Divine Joy Randolph. Um I would have read that as Devine. Devine, Devine, Devine. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this film is really weirdly, I'm going to jump straight to when it gets its UK cinema release, being released on the 19th of January. And I think I mentioned this in a previous episode because I think we might have done it on Trailer Trash or Treasure. Potentially. Oh, we talked about it after we went to the Empire Film podcast because it has been mentioned because you did mention yeah, it, and I um, know exactly what you're about to say. It this is a a phenomenal Christmas film. <laughs> it's one of those Christmas films that you would put on maybe like 
Boxing Day or the day after when mm. you're knackered and you just want to get cosy in front of the fire. Mm. It's the coziest of cosy films. It's phenomenally well acted. People are almost liking it too. It's got that same Christmas appeal of like Miracle on 34th Street. Aww. So like my dad watches that every year. So Aww, this is a film that could have that that sense of appeal to it. Yeah. Um and there's a lot going on in it that you've got as you you've got the grumpy instructor Paul Giamatti who is kind of a bit lost in life. He's worked at the university his whole life. There's loads that transpires. Um there's kind of a bit about commentary on kind of social class in America about how rich people just leave their kids in these schools and so some of them don't go home for Christmas because mm. they're just seen as a bit of a a pest over the holidays. Or maybe their parents have gone to Europe or something. Well, there is some like parents oh, that what just a go. Um, so yeah, and I think her that the the cook who has just lost her son in the Vietnam War, like that kind of um, commentary on race as well from an angle that I've not necessarily seen. You know, she's serving these privileged boys mm. every day of the year. Mm. None of them will have to go to Vietnam. They won't be conscripted because they're at a, it's like they are um, immune to it because of the, the social thing Gosh. that they've got. And she's just lost her son and yeah. she's black. And well, not obviously a son was, but her son was black as well. Um, and there is that kind of, you know, racial mm. commentary there as well. And it does mm. deal with a lot of... Um, it's got, as I say, from what I've just said, it's got quite a lot of deep oh. kind of, you know, it's not a light film by yeah. any sense, but it's, it, it, you do, I did leave the cinema with like my heart warmed. Oh, it really circles nice. round to the end and, and, and I would very happily watch this every Christmas to be oh, honest. Oh, it's a shame it won't be out in time for this christmas i know i know i love it when a new christmas film is released and it's actually really good yeah because a lot of modern Most christmas of films are like netflix churn shite these yeah. days aren't they so um yeah i i i really really adored this oh, film that's good um i gave it four and a half mm. you caught me on a good day i would probably push what, to did five did you give it on your on your lift i think rating. i might have gone with five on lift five. rating yeah Very nice um, but yeah, it was just a really, really good film. Ah, awesome. And I'd like to see Paul Giamatti in some conversations for awards this year. Um, I'm not really following what awards season is shaping up to be like. Um, I'd but, like to keep it as a surprise anyway. Well, the Critics' Choice Awards is on is in the first week of January, so we're going to start seeing some nominations for some of the big ones coming through. Um, so, yeah. Great. Do you want to take us into the next one then? Yeah, my voice is, my throat's sore. Well, you um, should have planned the episode better. Well, I just went in chronological order. <laughs> um, the Queen of My Dreams. So, this is the final one I saw. Um, we've got Azra, who is a Pakistani woman living in Toronto, is worlds apart from her conservative Muslim mother. When her father suddenly dies on a trip home to Pakistan, Azra finds herself on a Bollywood-inspired journey through memories, both real and imagined, from her mother's youth in Karachi to her own coming of age in rural Canada. Now, what's really interesting is this, is you've got Azra, 
played by whoever I can't remember the actor's name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it flashes back where she's seeing parts of her mother's life, she plays her mother as a younger. Oh. And I found it really because basically a lot of it is about how Pakistan used to be a lot more liberal than what it is in Amrit modern Kaur. times. Who? Amrit Kaur. Yes. So it basically she her mother has grown a lot more conservative as she's got older and quite a lot in these kind of religious families it's like the daughter disappoints her blah 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 blah, blah all that kind of stuff. But when she discovers her mother's life, her mother was a lot more like her as a as a, as a youngster. She was yeah. a lot more liberal. Is the way she met like... her dad was very kind of, yes, it was an arranged marriage, but they'd already been dating and they set it all up. And it was just, and to be honest with you, it doesn't, this is one of those films that doesn't do anything particularly original, but the originality comes from who's telling the story. Yeah. We've got, a Pakistani like immigrant to Canada. Is it like a conversation that says, I haven't always been this grumpy old person? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. And then with her dad's death, where she's got to travel to Pakistan to be with the family, it's just, she's like a total fish out of water. It's like, even when she shows up to Pakistan, the way she's dressed compared to what her, when she, and and she can't really understand the, the gender roles that you play. So in the part of the funeral, I mean, this isn't a, a spoiler because it's not really a film you can spoil but like in the in a Pakistani or maybe even a Muslim funeral that the women don't get to say the final goodbye it's only the men that take the the corpse to the, the corpse. burial ground what would you say I was going to say cadaver but that's like <laughs> ridiculous um, dead body the person the person um <laughs> Like two, and she just can't write. And it was really interesting. And to be honest with you, if this was like set in US or mm. UK, where we've kind of seen a lot of these stories before, it would probably right. be a three, three and a half star film. Okay. But for me, the originality came from the, the from perspective. the perspective. So I went with it's four lovely. for it. Does have queer appeal because Azra is a lesbian, and a she's lesbian. got a girlfriend back at home in Toronto that we do meet at the start, but isn't really in it a lot because okay. she she goes over to Pakistan yeah. and for reasons that I've kind of said she doesn't take her girlfriend with her. Yeah. Um, I am not sure where this one this one could get a release, um, but from what I googled oh, at the by minute, the sounds of it, I hope it does. Yeah, from what I googled at the minute, it just seems to be doing quite a few film festival circuits at the minute right. so it opened at tiff toronto. toronto um so and obviously with with it being a you know it's she's a pakistani woman living in toronto it was very yeah, kind yeah, of yeah but it, it it was just it it was very well i really enjoyed that one um so yeah great stuff so i know you only saw two films yeah. But out of them, what was your favourite out of the two? Um, hard to say, really. Probably Poor Things. But they were so, so different. That's like comparing apples and oranges. Oh, no, it's hard. So for me... Although I do actually have a favourite between apples and oranges, so maybe that's not fair. What's your favourite? Apples. apples. Yeah, thought so. <laughs> um, 
I'm trying to find. So for me, like I gave Poor Things a higher star rating, but the one I would say I enjoyed the most and the holdovers has that kind of rewatchability at any kind of time yeah. would be the holdovers. As we've said with Poor Things, Pua. I don't think it's like you you never you're not always gonna be in the mood for yeah that. Yeah. Um so yeah, I'm just trying to find I did post on our story last night. Um just um, asking our followers a um a question thing. Yeah. About did did anyone else see any I films? never know how to find the answers to them. I know how to find the answers. It's just trying to find it when it's disappeared. Um, let's have a look at this. Right, so our friend Alex, um, he also gave a bit of a shout out to the holdovers. We had a bit of a discussion after I went to see it and then he went to see it after me. Um, and he was very much in the, that was a fantastic film camp. Yeah. We've also had somebody else come back to it. Oh God, I've missed it again. Somebody else come back to us called Kate Longton. Shout out, Kate. Um, who said, screen dance. I loved watching all of the choreography and felt it was a beautiful selection. I don't oh, know if that was like a... That sounds fun. Was that maybe a... I think that's one of those competitions. I don't know. So I think screen dance... Hailing from where, cinematography and choreography meet, this compelling collection of international dance films navigates the myriad ways the moving body can propel a story. Oh, that so it's a bit like those fun. queer uh, Yorkshire short film things that they do, yeah. but it's from a from, from the grimy dance floor of a club the day after the night before to the not so subtle, subtle touch of strangers on a bus. We survey the landscape of this burgeoning form, and it oh, had, that sounds it so had a Q and A after it. So Love yeah, dance, great stuff. What a good shout out! I think um, I I tell you who does listen to our podcast and does interact with us sometimes. I think we've shouted him <laughs> out before. Is Bill Hargreaves? So I want to say. Oh yeah, I um, um, talked about his letterbox reply. Let me just—I know he saw some of the films that we didn't manage to see, um, and I might just have a look at some of his star. I believe he really liked All of Us Strangers, as everyone seems Does that to get be. Getting a UK release date. That is coming out on the twenty-sixth of January. That is one that I also want to see. So he also gave Poor Things five star like us. Mm. Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? My God, weird to think we were sitting in the same room as people who listen to the podcast. Yes. Isn't that a strange feeling? Yeah. Oh, and he also saw The Boy in the Heron, which was a last minute oh. addition to the film festival. It wasn't in the original programme, but they put it in the new what Ghibli film. Yeah. Um which I think that's getting a UK release in January as well. Yes, um, it is. I am so excited for it. I hate to say that I've never seen a single Ghibli film. I know, I can't really get that. I know. And so many of them, so, so many of them are on my watch list. So many of them um, are just incredible. Yeah. Um, I do think maybe I might set myself some 2024 film New Year's resolutions kind of things. And do what I used be... to do and get like a full franchise watched 
I have actually... Oh, no. I won't talk about that because this is not a normal episode where we say what we've been watching. Um, and unfortunately, the winning films, um, we didn't see any of them either. So no, I really, really wanted to see Goodbye, Julia, and it was sold out. So Goodbye, Julia, quite early on in the film festival, you even went to... Was it the Anatomy of a Fall screening? Yeah. Which was like day three. Yeah. And people were saying, like... We're going to have to put another screening on because people are loving it that much. Yeah. Um, so no, they'd already decided to put the fourth screening on. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it's a hot debut film. And it was the first ever film from Sudan to screen in the official selection of this year's Cannes Film Festival. Um, if it's done well at Cannes and it's winning film festival kind of awards, it might. It might get a release. Um, I hope so, because I'm gutted to. Let me have a look. I'll, I'll have a quick Google. Um, nothing as of yet. I think. It, it, do, do they speak French in Sudan? I think they do, don't they? I want to say yes, but I also don't want to get in trouble. I don't think you'll get in trouble. But I just think with it being in Cannes and it's had a French cinema release. Yeah. And I know the French love indie films anyway yeah um but there's no there's no mention of um a uk release date yeah the only release date it has next to it is when it screened at bfi london film festival in october yeah um, but i've actually written it on my watch list because i'm going to seek it out regardless of where it ends up going mm. um and then also, so that was the Audience Award for a Best Fiction Film. The Audience Award for the Best Documentary was a film called, well, a documentary called Tish. Um, Tish. Yes. So a vital new documentary um, about the great photographer Tish Merther, who is only now starting to get the recognition she deserves as one of the most important British artists of her generation. Great. Tish grew up in a vibrant working class communities of the North East and captured this in images like no one else, particularly oh, committed to, to documenting the impact of Thatcherism and deindustrialization in the yeah. 70s and 80s. Yeah. Tragically, she died one. in poverty age 56. Um, and Paul Senior's essential film follows a journey of discovery about her, led by her daughter, Ella. Yeah. So that one is also going on my list because especially from being from the Northeast, um, mm -hmm. I would quite like to see that. And then the one that won like the actual critic, I don't actually know how they do it at TIFF, uh, LIFF, <laughs> LIFF, TIFF, film BIFF. Fe feature film competition winner. Was a film called... Tall? Tall? As in, like, tall bridge. I think tall it might road. be tall because... So it's... Uh, Carolina Makowski's vibrant and beguiling comedy drama. Tall, tall takes on the disturbing trends of homophobia in contemporary Brazil with great wit and flair. Single mother... Sue Ellen works as a toll booth attendant in an industrial area outside Sao, pa Sao Paulo. She is increasingly exasperated by her teenage son, Antonio, who likes to make campy online videos dressed in sequins. She hates, she hatches a plan to use her job to raise extra 
money, some extra money illegally, but this is only for what she believes is a noble cause, to send her son to an expensive gay conversion workshop led by a renowned foreign priest. Oh my God, I really want to see it. Yeah. Um, that went, that, is that also passed me by. on my list as well. I think the screenings, we were aware. Oh. Um, because I do, I look at the, the programme and I go... We need to get the dates in, the diary for next year so we don't plan stuff like already that. Already done. Great. Um, I, yeah, it, it sounds right up our street. Right um, up my street. But yeah, I will very much be seeking that one out as well whenever Fair. it happens so that's lift this year um and we have celebrated it we have although not to as great an extent as i think either of us would have liked no but that's more a a, a point of of disorganization on our part it's not it's <laughs> it's, it's just we're just busy exactly and as we'll well prioritize. as these films there's also like you know, general cinema releases at the same time. Um, I think I also talked about How to Have Sex, actually, which I didn't see as part of Liff. It came out pretty much at the same time. I, I did talk about it on a previous episode, yeah. but that was also in the programme, and that was also another fantastic film. Um, so I, if it was in the programme, how didn't... How I think, like, you... I saw it two days it, oh, before I it got... Oh, I misinterpreted what you said then. Oh. I thought you meant I didn't consider this to be a lift showing. No, but I no, didn't see what it you meant lift. Is, I you saw watched it at the it, cinema. But not because of lift. Yeah. yeah. Okay, with you. I'm getting you. That's fine. Outro's up then, King. Uh, yeah. I'm getting there. <laughs> <clears throat> and that's all for this time. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film... Please subscribe, rate, and comment on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at GazeOnFilmPod, and you can check out our Letterboxd accounts. Links to those are in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, oh, yeah. I know I've asked on Instagram yeah. already, but if you did but go like, to Especially lift... about all of the ones we talked about, all the ones we missed because we were gutted. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if you do see us wandering around Leeds and fancy saying hi and telling us how much you loved whatever lift film you saw. I won't be too scared. Ned's got a moustache. Uh, and I don't. Yeah. That narrows it down. It does. Yeah. I've been Ned. And I've been Declan. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.